0: Welcome back to The Replay Booth. My name is Parker Jones, and I am excited today to look in at the Baseball Hall of Fame. Scott Rowland, the only player to get in on the Riders ballot this evening. Let's take a look at his career, his achievements, uh, what this means for everybody else that's been left on the ballot, and what this means looking at next year and some new faces on the Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. Let's dive into The Replay Booth. First and foremost, I absolutely love this time of year. The Baseball Hall of Fame voting is maybe my favorite aspect of the winter, of the offseason. Uh, I, I love baseball history. I love following along with all of the players, what their projections are, uh, who we think is going to get in, who we think is going to fall just short, who we think might fall off the ballot, so on and so forth. And so I absolutely love the Hall of Fame. I always look forward to this day. And going into today, it had become quite clear that only Scott Rowland and Todd Helton actually had a a decent chance at getting into the Hall of Fame today. And still, uh, both of their chances were quite slim. The most likely scenario from all the models and projections was actually that nobody was going to get in, but that those two would fall just short. So I think it's refreshing to see that Scott Rowland made it in. If he didn't make it in, and we'll talk about this later, but if he didn't make it in, it would have been the second time in three years that nobody made it in on the writers' ballot to the Baseball Hall of Fame, making David Ortiz last year uh, the only selection in three years from the writers' ballot. Of course, Scott Rowland did make it in today, and, uh, and so we don't have to worry about that. He got in by five votes. He had 76.3% of the vote, a, a, uh, just a kind of a nail-biter Uh, scraping his way in, but still very much worthy. And I want to look at his career. Uh, And Todd Helton fell short by 11 votes. He had 72.2%. Perhaps next year is his year. But really, I want to look at at Scott Rowland, who he is, because he's not one of those names that you just automatically think of as a perennial Hall of Famer. But over the course of 17 seasons, he, he quietly put together an incredible career. For one, at the plate. He had a career batting average of 281. in the modern game. That's something quite difficult to achieve. It's not um, outstanding in comparison to some of our uh, some of his fellow Hall of Famers, but still in the modern game where power in, uh, is valued more than making contact and getting on base, then uh, it's quite an incredible batting average: 316 home runs and uh, 2,077 hits. Hits. If you don't have two thousand hits, you you really it's kind of an unwritten rule. You really aren't considered uh, for the Hall of Fame often. And so uh, he he kind of reached that unspoken threshold. He had eight hundred and ninety nine career walks. Just another note, which led to a three sixty four on base percentage. But he did win a Silver Slugger in the two thousand one or two thousand two season. Excuse me but what was most outstanding about roland's career was arguably his defense where he won eight gold gloves playing third base he played seven seasons with philadelphia six with st louis uh, two with toronto or, or rather one and a half with toronto before getting traded and playing uh three and a half at the end of his career in cincinnati roland really put together a spectacular career And no, he's not the big names that are on the ballot like Alex Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez and Gary Sheffield and even Carlos Beltran. And those names are are marred for different reasons, and we'll get into that a little bit. But among the players um, that have been on the ballot now for a few years, you just felt like Scott Rowland was on the trajectory to get in. And sure enough, he does. And really a, a good thing for baseball. But Scott Rowland's first year on the ballot, was the 2018 year, and what a crowded ballot that he entered on. To start at 10.2%, probably didn't think there was much of a chance for him to climb his way up. It had not been done from that low of a starting percentage before. But the ballot was so crowded, beyond just Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, and Curt Schilling, who ended up all making it to their 10th year on the ballot before falling off. Uh, for various reasons. Chipper Jones, Vladimir Guerrero, Jim Tomey, and Trevor Hoffman, all four of them made it into the Hall of Fame that season. There were four other Hall of Famers on that ballot that would get in later. Edgar Martinez, Mike Mussina, Larry Walker, and Fred McGriff. Uh, Well, McGriff actually makes it in off the writer's ballot. He's going in with Scott Rowland. He made it in from the uh, Veterans Committee this year. Eight Hall of Famers on the ballot of Scott Rowland's first year, plus the bonds Clemens, sosa Schilling debacle. There was just a long way for Scott Rowland to go, but once those names cleared off, uh, it, was, it was clear that Scott Rowland stood a chance to get in. But here's what I want to ask, and this may be a bigger question. Why would Scott Rowland jump so high in six years, why are so many voters keen on changing their votes, adding players to their ballot as the years go on? I I really struggle with this because, and this is no disrespect to Scott Rowland. I'm glad he's in the Hall of Fame. I'm glad that he was inducted. I think it's good for baseball, but like all of these these writers that have added Rowland to their ballot over the last five seasons. Why didn't you vote for him in the first place? You get 10 spots, okay? And I I get it that that first ballot was very crowded. Um, But it's not like he jumped the next year once four of those guys were elected to the Hall of Fame in 2018. It's not like Roland jumped the next year uh, to get in. You know, each year, writers keep adding him. Uh, to the point where he was he, he probably gained uh 20 or 30 more votes this year. So what what is the cause of that? Why can't we vote guys in that we believe are in the Hall of Fame the first time around? Why do you have to wait uh, to come around on that? And if you are waiting to come around on it, then is that guy really a Hall of Famer? Look, Roland had an incredible career. We just walked through it. But there are some perspectives out there that the the Baseball Hall of Fame is getting watered down. Of course, there's the alternative perspective that there's gatekeeping. And guys that should be in the Hall of Fame aren't getting in. And so you've got some writers that their values suggest they need to vote for 10 guys every year. Even if there aren't 10 Hall of Fame worthy players every year. And you've got other uh, writers that are content voting for nobody on a year like this year, when there's not a standout first ballot Hall of Famer. And so, you get a situation like we got this time where Scott Rowland, it takes six years, but finally he scrapes his way in. Perhaps Todd Helton does the same next year. All I'm saying is, why is there so much inconsistency among voters that they will continually add players that have been on the ballot for years. You could have voted for Scott Rowland last year. And it's not like it's people that had loaded 10-person ballots all the time that are just waiting for one spot to open up to put Rowland on. That's not what it is. So I think there's a deeper, uh, longer conversation to be had there. But I would say if I were voting uh, for the Hall of Fame, then whatever I put out there on that first year somebody is on, they're either on my ballot or they're not, and it doesn't change unless there is a significant character development, off-the-field development, uh, like there was with Omar Vizquel, in which I would probably have dropped him, even if I'd put him on initially. But when it, when we're looking at, simply, the stats of the player had in their career, Scott Rowland didn't add anything to his career stats between last year and this year. So why were there still 20-plus people adding him? And that's not me saying he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. I'm saying either either he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame and, and there's no excuse for why uh, people were adding him to their ballots, or rather he does belong in the Hall of Fame's Fame and why were we gatekeeping him out of the Hall of Fame for the last six years? So I will always be confused by that um, unless there is a, a particularly loaded ballot where you can argue that you know there's more than 10 players on this ballot that belong in the Hall of Fame, but that is extraordinarily unusual. Anyway, that is Scott Rowland. Um, that is his career, and that is the current state of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Next, I want to look at some of the other guys on the ballot that just missed out and, and whether or not they have a chance to get in in the years to come. Let's briefly take a look at some of the players who just missed out on getting into the hall of fame this year and what their trajectory looks like for the years in the future and their case Uh, for one, Todd Helton just missed out. He fell 11 votes short this year, 72.2%. That's a 20% jump from where he was last year. This was his fifth year on the ballot. I think he gets in next year, sixth year on the ballot, uh, which is the same amount of time it took for Scott Rowland to get in. A couple things worth noting on Helton. Helton is a victim of what they call the Coors effect. He played the overwhelming majority of his home games at uh, Coors Field in Colorado. Coors Field is an extraordinarily high altitude, which means the air is thin, which means the baseball flies because of this to prevent an extraordinarily high number of home runs. They built a very large outfield with deep fences. Well, The effect of that is that the ball still flies because the air is thin, and so home runs are still hit at a much higher rate uh, than other stadiums in baseball. But also the outfield is massive, too big for three outfielders to cover. So singles, doubles, triples land at an extraordinary rate. Uh, it's It's a perennial hitter's ballpark. And the split suggests that Todd Helton did benefit from that. But he still... He still... Had An incredible career on the road, and I think it's worth noting that at the plate, his road splits he still had a 287 career batting average, 386 OPS, and a 469 slugging. All of those numbers are better than Scott Rowland's career numbers, home and road. And so, uh, even on the road, Helton had an incredible career, but he also at home batted 345, 441 on base, 607 slugging, which is uh, video game level numbers in the modern era, but of course the cores effect. I think he. I think that's been a little bit overplayed. Helton still had three gold gloves at first base. I know a less defensive position than third base where Roland played, but uh, four silver sluggers, a batting title, title, and a five time All Star. I think Todd Helton works his way in uh, to the Hall of Fame next year. Billy Wagner was the next guy out. Billy Wagner has climbed extraordinarily high on the, uh, on the ballot chart. Uh, similar to Roland, he started at a very low percentage. And at this point, uh, he is really just outside the realm uh, of making it in. He had uh, 68.1% votes. He is a relief pitcher, a closer. He had a career two thirty one ERA, and he is listed as the sixth uh, most Hall of Fame-worthy relief pitcher of all time. His ERA is better than all of the other Hall of Fame relievers except Mariano Rivera, and he has more saves than all of the other Hall of Fame relievers except for Mariano Rivera and Trevor Hoffman, and so... I do think Billy Wagner is worthy, and I think he will get in. Next is Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones had 58% of the vote this year, and I think uh, he will work his way in. It may not be next year, uh, but perhaps in two or three seasons. Andrew Jones, the biggest knock on him is a two hundred fifty-four career batting average. He also falls just short of the 2,000-hit threshold, but he did have 434 career home runs, Almost 1,300 RBI. He was a perennial slugger. He also was a 10-time gold glove center fielder. Uh, Center fielders are not usually as powerful at the plate as Andrew Jones was. So perhaps he gets in here in the years ahead. Other than Andrew Jones, Billy Wagner, and Todd Helton, I'm not sure that anybody left on the ballot today will get in except for maybe Carlos Beltran. Beltran received 46.5% of ballots, and Beltran had quite a Hall of Fame-worthy career. Of course, he is tied in with the Astros cheating scandal in the 2017 World Series. Beyond that, I don't think anybody else gets in. Alex Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez don't appear to be very favorable in the eyes of the voters because of their stint with PEDs especially since their PED usage came on this side of the drug abuse policy. And then Jeff Kent, who had an argument for the Hall of Fame, uh, he stayed on the ballot all 10 years and this was his 10th year, he did not get in. And so he will not be on the ballot uh, next year. Very briefly, let's take a look at who will be on the ballot next year and who gets in. Next year's ballot is really intriguing to me, particularly because of Adrian Beltre, uh, the former superstar third baseman for the Texas Rangers and one of my favorite players to have ever watched, will be making his first appearance on the ballot. And then also Joe Maurer, uh, one of the great catchers of recent decades, will be making his first appearance on the ballot. And so beyond uh, those two, we just talked about the likelihood for Helton, Wagner, and Andrew Jones whether or not they will get in or not. Beltre, I think, has to be a lock uh, considering Scott Rowland's status. They both played third base and by the Jaws Hall of Fame standard, Beltre is the fourth greatest third baseman of all time. Scott Rowland is 10th and that Scott Rowland being 10th is still above the average uh, the, for the third base position and getting into the Hall of Fame according to the Jaws standard. Beltre is is well above Roland and Beltray had an incredible career, two hundred eighty-six batting average, but he had almost five hundred home runs, four seventy-seven, over seventeen hundred RBI, and the pinnacle stat for Beltray's career is thirty one hundred plus hits. He had three thousand one hundred and sixty-six hits in his career. So I'm excited to see what that looks like next year. The last thing I'll say is this year, if I had voted I would have voted for Scott Rowland, I would have voted for Todd Helton, and I would have voted for Billy Wagner, and the, it's just those three. And I I would remain consistent with it. Like next year, I'm not removing Helton or Wagner just because Beltre shows up or or whatever. But I I would vote for those three this year, and with Rowland off the ballot, I I would vote for Wagner and Helton next year, of course, and Adrian Beltre. And I, I want to take a deeper dive, look at Joe Maurer and see whether or not he is worthy. But I think it's important that the Hall of Fame keeps its status as the highest of highest achievements in baseball. I think some other Hall of Fames get really watered down in, in the NFL Hall of Fame. It feels like they let in five or six guys every year because they have to. The difficulty of reaching the Baseball Hall of Fame, whether the process is is good or not, the difficulty of reaching the Baseball Hall of Fame makes the achievement all the much greater. And I think that is something that has to be said about Scott Rowland. Even if his career is not as great as Adrian Beltrace, who uh, will be the third baseman, top third baseman on the ballot next year, Rowland had a Hall of Fame career. And... It took a long time for him to get here, but I think he is worthy of it. So until next time, I'm Parker Jones, and this was The Replay.